When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Tim Bielek, Bill Landis. Your Ohio State coverage team for Cleveland.com. Bill and I just did an hour and a half basketball podcast, but we're not done talking. That dropped on Tuesday. Make sure you listen to that. This is our regular Wednesday football podcast, and we're joined by Tim. What's up, guys? Not by Ari, by the way. Uh, people who keep leaving Ari's names <laughs> in the re- Ari's name in the reviews. I've only seen one. I, although I do wish, as part Irish, I do wish slightly out topic that every one of you who are Irish and you too as well, Bill and Dog, had a great St. Patrick's Day. For everyone who thinks they're Irish because their granddad was a Notre Dame fan. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Do you guys like St. Patrick's Day? I hate St. Patrick's Day. Do you like St. Patrick's Day, Tim? I had to do. I had to cover three games on St. Patrick's Day, so I got zero opportunity to enjoy it. Did you wear green? Yes. Did, I, I had like a long sleeve green uh, collar shirt for the day. Did you wear green, Bill? No. It was Saturday. I, I wore. I wore, I wore blue. You wore blue. Yeah. <laughs> Urban Meyer would make you change your shirt. Um, so I was in Vegas for a couple days, and so our main thrust of Buckeye talk. Because I'm an old person, I'm like Michael Scott, and I think it's nothing's real unless it's on paper. It's like you could get the odds for college football national championships stuff at on the internet anytime you want to. But I went to Vegas and I have the piece of paper in my hand. So I thought, oh, I got a piece of paper that would have odds on it. Let's talk about that. So what we have is from the Orleans which is a casino off the strip, because that's how I roll, <laughs> like a cheap old man. <laughs> the Orleans Hotel and Casino, Las Vegas, odds to win 2019 College Football Championship at Levi's Stadium, Santa Clara, California, Monday, January 7th, 2019. We will talk about the Ohio State Buckeyes and the National Championship odds, and a couple other odds of interest. Not that you should bet on them. All bets are action despite any team being placed on probation by the NCAA leagues or by a self-imposed ban. Oh, so huh. that means even if you, yeah, okay. Field includes any other NCAA teams not listed above. The field is 20 to 1, by the way. They listed like 50 teams. Odds subject to change. So we're going to uh, look at this sheet and talk about Ohio State's odds. We're going to talk about the latest commitment Ohio State got. James Sampson. Sampson James. <laughs> I am a fan of the last name first, first name last people yeah. of the world. I had to do a few double takes. So, 
What's going to be interesting, we'll talk about it later. We, Ohio State waited 16 years after LeBron James went to the to the NBA to have a player who will have the name James on the back of his jersey. And if he doesn't wear number 23, it'll be a crime. Yeah, people are clamoring already. Yeah. And we also will talk about Pro Day. Ohio State's Pro Day is on Thursday when NFL general managers, talent evaluators, and scouts will descend on the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, and we'll be there to cover that. Cover that. Um, Follow us on Twitter. Did I say that already? I can't remember. You guys know about Twitter. Do we have? Do we want to start off with the five star review of the week? He's Certainly, got, uh, Tim is locked and ready on the five star review. You can drop a five star review on iTunes for us at any time you like. Are we still holding steady at an overall five star? Uh, I believe we are. Yeah, we are. At, yeah, we're at a five out of five. And I will give credit to the listeners here because they came strong with reviews. I counted five separate ones. Five separate reviews! Since the last week. So you guys have really brought it, and I'm excited. One is not the review, but someone asked us if we listened to ourselves at half speed. He says it sounds like three old drunken men in a barber shop. If only. Which, again, which to, we immediately asked, what do we sound like at regular speed? Yeah. We assumed we sound like three old drunken men at a barbershop. So then so that I would wonder what this sentence would sound like at half speed. Or, so now if you, but what if you played this at half speed? What does this sentence? Right, we could do the whole podcast like that. That sounds like trying to speak whale and finding Nemo. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Ellen. So here's the review I'll go with this week from Buckeye Mo Flow. Titles us titles us a must for Buckeye fans. Almost kind of reads like a promo. Do you love Tate Martell and Demario McCall? Yes. Do you enjoy talk of Chipotle and Wings? Yep. Do you question the role of robots in the future? Nope. <laughs> By the way, a robot car murdered somebody this week, so we can talk about that too. Then look no more. Doug, Bill, and Tim give in-depth analysis and keep it fresh on the podcast. I also strongly suggest following them on Twitter and setting it up so you can get notifications when they tweet. They keep grinding day in and day out, so shout-out to Buckeye MoFlo. We appreciate that, as well as all the reviews. What, However honest or you know positive you guys want to be, we truly appreciate every good every review we get. So I, I, I stole this idea of reading five-star reviews from a, a Philadelphia 76ers podcast that I listened to called the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. And they do, um, it's called, uh, I forget, the, they name it after a player. It's some, some player five-star review, but what they ask for is five-star reviews, but then in that review, to be brutally honest, borderline mean. Oh. As long as the review in the end is five stars. So feel free to do that, too. Yeah. Oh, now I'm nervous. Okay. Just speak from the heart. Just do it with five stars. I didn't bring it. I wasn't going to lie. I was going to bring it up, and then I forgot. Self-driving Uber Uber car kills pedestrian in Arizona where robots roam. Ooh. This is not funny because somebody died, but this is what our robot professor was talking about, that the fear is not the robots killing you. It's the misuse of robot technology and automated technology by humans that will lead to destruction. Um, on Sunday night, an autonomous car operated by Uber and with an emergency backup driver behind the wheel struck and killed a woman on the street in Tempe, Arizona. It was believed to be the first pedestrian death associated with self-driving technology. The accident was a reminder that self-driving technology is still in the experimental stage and governments are still trying to figure out how to regulate it. Stay alert. Why? There's a, there's a backup driver? 
Yeah. What was his role in this? Obviously not paying attention. But then what's the point? Is it... It could have been... Was it just like something like how you have the driving teacher in the car next to you when you're a student driver and he has control of the brake pedal? I, I don't know. I would never... I've had the option... I think in Pittsburgh to use a self-driving Uber, and I have always said no, thank you. Um, what? What? You could have been in a self-driving Uber? Yeah, but I'm not doing that. In Where? A city. Where? Pittsburgh. What? A city full of bridges. No, no, for no. Robot Wait. cars to drive off of. For real? That's how the technology is here. Yeah. Is that close to us? It's uh-huh. not just in the desert. No, it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, I you had the option and you, and you turned it down. Yeah. Smart move. Yeah, I was going to say. I oh, were, my God. I thought you were getting mad at me for that. No. <laughs> I can legit see the fear in your eyes, Doug. Let me ask this, though. We did have this experience when I was in Las Vegas in my moderate non-strip hotel. My friend likes to eat weird food, and so he wanted us to go to this Korean barbecue buffet where, like, you sort of cook the food on a grill at, at your table. Mm-hmm. And on the buffet, among other things, they had bull anus, mm. which I was not down with in any form. <laughs> I did not eat bull anus, and I was mad at my friend for taking me there, and I yelled at him did the whole time it? we ate. No, he was like, yeah, I was a little iffy on this, and then when we saw the bull anus on the buffet, I knew you were going to kill me. <laughs> but on the way there, our Uber driver came to pick us up, and she was following the directions, and she was going to make a left out of the parking lot with no light. I think it was four lanes each direction. Hmm. So four lanes one way, four lanes the other. So we were going to have to cross like eight lanes of traffic or cross four lanes and then get into the other four lanes yeah. to make our left. And it was super freaking busy. So we were just sitting there. In the parking lot, like, I was getting ready for her to make this left. And I said, you're not going to make this left. I said, I don't want to. I'm not going to sit here and let you kill us trying to make a left here. This is insane. There's too many cars. You can't make a left. Make a right and go around. This is ridiculous. Make a right. And she's like, oh, okay. And then <laughs> then she did. And then we, like, went down the block. And she was like, well, where should I go now? And I was like, I don't to go now i'm just telling us don't kill us trying to make a left across eight lanes and then when we got out of the car my friends were like oh god like i would never do what you did but i think you saved our lives yeah because she was gonna kill us so here's my question if you guys were in an uber and you thought your uber driver was about to do something that was gonna put you in danger making a poor decision like that i go right when it's too crazy to go left, I go right and suck it up and add yeah. four minutes to my drive all the time. Right in and right in and right or whatever you got to do. I'm not going to make a left against – but I'm not going to let an Uber driver do something I would never do just because I'm paying them to drive. In that situation, when if you guys notice what you felt to be a potentially dangerous situation, would you yell at your Uber driver, don't do this, or would you just let it happen? I would say don't do this. Yeah. Is the Uber driver either Vin Diesel or a stunt driver? No, it was a slight woman who I didn't think would be able to beat me up. Uh, I would prefer... I would think in that situation they should know better. But she did but not she did know not. better. Clearly she didn't. Yeah. She would, I, and then my friend after the fact said he heard her say, Oh, S-word. When she was about, like when she got to the street. Like when she got to the edge of the parking lot. 
And then I then I went nuts after that. I didn't hear her say that. Yeah. So she acknowledged, she realized it was a terrible situation, but she was going to be like, well, we might die, but I got to make a left. Was the, was There was no signs that say, like, don't turn left here? No. It was allowable if you wanted to try to do it? But if you went out a different area of the very, very large parking lot, you could go out where there was a light. Oh. So she just went out not at the light. So she made a poor decision. Was she, backing up an option? Or were there for sure. I yes. probably would have said, like, back up and go out over there. Like, there's a light down there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe before I said make a right. But I'm not going to – I just didn't know what the what the typical etiquette is when you are paying someone to drive you somewhere and you believe they're about to kill you. I think in any situation where you believe someone's about to kill you, you are allowed to ask them to not do that. Now, they don't have to listen to you, I suppose. Yeah. But you can ask. Yeah. I also yelled at the cab driver on the way to the airport because we were standing at the cab stand and we didn't know like how to get the cab to come up. There was a line of cabs and a different cab came up to drop somebody off and then we didn't know where to get in and we couldn't tell who was in line and who wasn't. So then the cab pulled up and was like, you can't get in that cab. He's just dropping off. You have to use one of the cabs back here. And I said, well, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Yeah. I said, you do this every day. Don't yell at us. With like nine F-bombs. <laughs> I said, you don't have to be a jerk about it harsher word for jerk <laughs> and then my friend was just like i am very different from you <laughs> that's yeah, what it's like i don't try. i definitely don't get into like casual confrontations <laughs> with people but don't pull up don't pull up and act like i'm supposed to figure out how the orleans cab stand works i'm just trying to get to the airport you're the professional yeah that's fair i guess but that wasn't my life wasn't in danger that was just me being grumpy because <laughs> right. i lost money gambling. It, was, it sounds like it was a cathartic trip for you yeah <laughs> yeah, that is my vacation. How was your vacation? Well, I got to yell at people, so I felt pretty good about it. Um, let's do what we intend to do. The sheet. The Ohio State Buckeyes, on the sheet, are the second favorite to win the 2019 College Football National title. Who, unless you guys already saw the sheet, is the favorite? Uh, I did not see the sheet, but I'm going to guess Florida Atlantic. That is uh, correct. Oh, Tied with sweet. UMBC, which is starting a football team. <laughs> oh, I'm assuming Alabama. Alabama is 2-1, to one, which is just like crazy. I, even if you bleed crimson, which I guess technically all people we do. All do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bleed scarlet, it bleeds crimson. I just don't – how could you – how is that bet worth it? It's not. No. Unless you're going to bet $10,000. But you'd better – you'd just be better off betting like – if you want to win $10,000, like, so you want to win $20,000, it's two to one. Yeah. You could either bet 10000 on them to win the national championship or bet like $2 million on them to beat the Citadel or yeah. whatever and just take your 20000 You yeah. know, like, there's just, there's so many things that have to happen that it's crazy at two to one. Did you see Ohio State's odds? Did you guys notice the odds? I did not. So I, I said saw, they're the yeah, second favorite. favorite. I looked. You saw. So we'll let Bill guess. Ohio State's the second favorite. What do you guess their odds are? Uh, you said Alabama's two to one? Yeah. Uh, five to one. Five to one is correct. Three teams, no, two teams are six to one: Georgia and Clemson. And again, I think we would all agree those are the four best programs in college football right now. Mm -hmm. We've had that discussion: the Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama at the top of college football, and here comes Georgia discussion. Michigan is fifth at eight to one. Penn State is sixth at ten to one, and we'll get to those. Tim has expressed that he has thoughts about that. A lot of the, again, odds are not what's going to happen. It's what people will bet. Sure. So there's a lot of uh, Big Ten alumni out in the world 
What do you guys think of Ohio State at 5-1 to one odds to win the national championship? Do you find that to be reasonable, given what you believe you know about the Buckeyes this season? And is that a bet that we don't bet on Ohio State? Not as people who cover Ohio State, we would never do that. But is that, like, if someone wanted to bet on that, is that a reasonable thing to bet, or would they be throwing their money away? I think it's reasonable. What are the what are the odds for Clemson and Georgia? Clemson and Georgia are both 6-1. to one. I, like, before looking at that sheet, probably would have assumed that Ohio State would have been fourth behind Alabama, Clemson, and Georgia. Like, Alabama's always won, I'm assuming. Um, but Clemson and Georgia have a lot coming back. Georgia from a team that played in the national title game and Clemson from a team that, that got to the playoff. Um, and Ohio State has a lot coming back too, but it has like there's a lot in flux. And I know, like you said, it's it's designed to get action more than it is a, a reflection of of what people or who people think is actually good. Um, so I'm surprised that Ohio State is ahead of those two teams. But that said, uh, yeah, I think that'd be be a pretty good bet. I think I think Ohio State has a very legitimate chance of winning the national championship this year. I think, and based on those odds, they're they're banking on the newcomers Ohio State has have to have higher ceilings than the guys are replacing, in particular guys like Chase Young. They're expecting him to, to produce more than you know the combination of Tyquan Lewis, Jalen Holmes, Sam Hubbard. They're expecting Dwayne Haskins to have a more lead a more explosive passing game than JT Barrett did. I think those are fair expectations and fair possibilities, but. Maybe them being second isn't so bad if you consider the fact that you expect Alabama and Georgia probably to meet in the SEC title game. Only one's going to be like the number one team in the country in that situation, and depending on how that goes, only one might get in the playoff. Yeah, and Ohio State, like more people are going to bet on Ohio State just based on name recognition than they would on Clemson and Georgia. Yeah, but but I think the point that that I want to get to in this is that I think certain things have to be in place for a team to have a chance to win a national title. When you look at this Ohio State roster and there's a second component beyond the roster that is a very, very, very important part of being a national title contender, and we'll get to that in a moment, but when you look at the roster and you think about the quarterback competition and you think about all the receivers that are back and you think about two tailbacks and you think about this offensive line and you think about Nick Bosa and Chase Young and and Kendall Sheffield and Jeffrey Okuda and Jordan Fuller and the guys at linebacker. Do you look at this Ohio State roster and think national title? Yeah, I think so. I think because it's not, it's not all that different from last year's, I don't think. And I thought last year's roster was like right on the edge of that. And I think the thing in the end that held them back, or one of the things that held them back, was the quarterback play. I just don't know if in the end JT Barrett was good enough. When you talk about what the other teams had, and now you're talking about a quarterback with a higher upside. We assume it'll be Dwayne Haskins. And I think regardless of who it is, it's a quarterback with a higher upside leading an offense that is in a lot of ways the same as it was last year. The offensive line's a little different, but I think people expect it to be good. Um, yeah, so I look at I look at some some change, and it's not insignificant change, but with the way Ohio State is recruited, I think I look at the roster and think national championship. It's not to say that... I don't know if I'm going to pick them to win it, and I'm not saying the season is an utter disappointment if they don't win it, but they have a roster capable of winning a title this year. I feel like the roster potentially, and, and so as it relates to a national title discussion, yeah, they can win the national title with this roster. I feel like it might have a little more ceiling and a little bit lower basement than some other than a JT Barrett roster. Because of the youth? Because of the youth, a little bit of the unknowns, just the way the quarterback is. You might be... Uh, slightly more inclined 
Although, I mean, last year's team with a bunch of veterans got his doors blown off at Iowa. Yeah. But it's like you might be slightly more inclined to lose the game you don't see coming, but have a higher upside of when you get... Because this is not get to the playoff odds. This is beat Bama and Georgia and Clemson and whomever else jumps out of nowhere to make the playoff odds. Mm -hmm. And so... I think there may have been teams in the past. Again, we're talking about an Ohio State team that basically under Urban Meyer in the playoff era, and even before the playoff era. I mean, they're, they've been a national title contender every year. 2012, they went undefeated. This is before the playoff, but they went undefeated, and were trying to stake a claim to like vote for us. 2013, if they had won the Big Ten championship game, they would have played in the national championship game. 2014, they won it. 2015, they had the best team. Maybe, and didn't get there because they lost the game they couldn't lose. 2016, they got there, but didn't really have a chance once they got there. And last year, they were that close. And we think if they would have gotten in, they probably would have had a chance to win that opening game. Mm -hmm. And then who knows what happens. But I think, for instance, if you compare this team to the team two years ago that made the playoff, that was a very young team, right? But with a veteran quarterback that we sort of knew what JT Barrett was or had an idea and you need it. I feel like this team has a better chance than that team because I think their upside is higher. Primarily because of the unknowns slash expectations of what we believe to be a different kind of quarterback play. That it was going to be a hard road for that team two years ago. They made the playoff. That was a great accomplishment. But man, once they got there, they just weren't good enough. That I think against elite teams, this has a... This team, this roster, has a better chance to compete against elite teams, given what we think we know about them. Yeah, and I think when we say that, we think mostly we're talking offense, right? We're talking, we're talking I mean, we're basically we're talking. talking about Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. That's basically all we're talking about. Is Dwayne Haskins going to get in the playoff and make the throws to win a game? Because I think over the last, like, I think since 2014, they've had a defense good enough to win a national championship. Now, it's been varying degrees of that. But in 2016's was really good, but I think that last year's was good enough. 15's was good enough. 14's won it. Um, it's been the offense. But yeah, I agree. I think it's it's the it's the upside of the quarterback play that gives this team a better chance. I think than it's had in the last two years. And I think the run game. I think Dobbins can be great. I think Weber can be really good. I think this I think this can be a very hard offense to stop, Tim. When you because here's the question, right? If we're talking about this, Tim, if we're talking about your want to go place a bet on Ohio State to win the national championship. One of the things you have to think about is, can you beat that Clemson defense? Right? Yes. With everybody back. And you know that you probably have a greater understanding of that Clemson defense, certainly more than I do. When you think about this Ohio State offense and that Clemson defense, can this Ohio State offense do that? Um, they certainly have the potential to do that. I think if, if you're talking Haskins upside, if you can meet that upside, and I say this after watching Dwayne Haskins' highlights again from, from last season again. I kind of went down that rabbit hole. But that that deep vertical passing attacks, what they just didn't have against Clemson two years ago in the Fiesta Bowl, that allowed that defensive line to just tee off. And they also didn't have J.K. Dobbins, who a, a running back that defenses had respect. So in, in that regard, you have a backfield that should, leaps and by leaps and bounds, have a greater upside than that backfield of two years ago. And outside of the defensive line, I think there's a couple questions about the back seven of that Clemson defense. The front four is, is tremendous. Brent Venables, one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. 
bar none, I think he's second, like second or third highest paid now as far defensive coordinators go. He's worth the money, but it's going to come down, I think, to explosiveness. It's an element that Ohio State potentially has a quarterback. We know they have a running back now, potentially a quarterback that they just simply didn't have two years ago. Bill, if you if if someone was going to go say I want to put money on Ohio State to win the national championship, how much concern would you have about this offensive line being good enough hmm. over fifteen games to allow Ohio State to do that? Um, not a ton. I really like Isaiah Prince. I like Michael Jordan. Um, I guess the right side of the line it concerns me a little bit, but. There's some pieces there that, that I'm not super concerned. I think it could be very similar to 2014 where maybe beginning of the year you're thinking, I don't know if this offensive line is good enough. Now, I don't know if that will lead to an early season loss, but it looks to me like a group that has solid left tackle, solid left guard, um, and then some like, intriguing young pieces that I think by the time it come, by the, when the time comes to compete for championships, they'll be pretty good. So I'm, I'm not super concerned about it. Who would be, and, and this is, so we'll get to the other component in a second. Part of it, too, is who, who else you have to beat. I think it's, at first blush, I'm going to show my limited college football knowledge here. <laughs> I'm looking at the Heisman voting from last year. Um, because, for instance, there would have been a time where a couple years ago, if you wanted to think about your team winning a national championship, you would have had to think, well, can we beat Deshaun Watson? Mm-hmm. Right? Sometimes you have to think like that. Going into last year, he wasn't thought of the way he ended up being, but it's like, can you beat Baker Mayfield? Mm-hmm. Right? Can you beat Lamar Jackson? Baker Mayfield won the Heisman. Gone. Bryce Love, number two, he's back for Stanford. Stanford on this list is 25 to 1 to win the national championship. But I don't know that anybody's lining up saying, well, Bryce Love's going to keep us from winning the national championship. Lamar Jackson was third, gone. Saquon Barkley, fourth, gone. Gone. Rashad Penny, fifth, gone. Jonathan Taylor, the Wisconsin running back, returns. Jonathan Taylor's not standing in your way of a national championship. Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State, who was Bill's preseason pick, I think. Mm-hmm. Seventh, gone. Um, I don't know... Who's the who's going to be the best player in college football? Tua. Like is Tua when you, okay? When you look at Tua, when you look at what Tua did in the second half of the national championship game, do you think you would have to go into the season as Ohio State and think? And I'm not going to say his last name because I don't know it. Tonga Vailoa. Tonga Vailoa. Yeah. Tua, would you look at Tua and say, "I'm not sure we can beat Tua." Is he going to be that good? Part of that was also not just Tua. He did it when, I think I was watching, I'm remembering that game vividly, and I remember there were times when every Alabama receiver that was on the field was a freshman. Every single receiver that was out there was a freshman, and there's a question about it we'll get to later. Um, but this was, a, this was an offense that, was, that couldn't do anything in the first half against Georgia. And then the second half, you throw Tua in, they look like a completely different team, and he throws a, a gem of a pass to Devontae Smith to win that game. Now, there's no guarantee he's going to win the starting job. Alabama started spring practice on Tuesday. They got five months to figure out who the starting quarterback is and really in the entire season because their schedule is just not very good once again. Um, but when you look at the rest of those those rest of those top teams in Georgia, Jake Fromm worries you a little bit, but he's not going to beat you by himself. Kelly Bryant, Alabama just stuffed him. 
and the rest of the team did nothing. So I think if you're looking for a guy that you should be worried about, maybe Tua is the closest thing to that. Khalil Tate. Khalil Tate at Arizona? Yeah, well, they're not going to be any good. I would. Jeff Bromery beat Khalil Tate. Who's Arizona's coach? Kevin Sumlin? Kevin Sumlin, not Ken Niamatololo. Yeah. How about Jake Fromm? Do you think Jake Fromm can stop you? Like, is Georgia going to continue to be good? They lost Georgia the two running backs. Con- Georgia will continue to be good. I don't know if it's out of the question that Justin Fields is their quarterback next yeah. year. Because <laughs> Jake Fromm took the job from the previous guy. From Jacob Eason. I th- but Eason got hurt, right? Yeah. yeah Eason got hurt, and then Fromm just kept the job from him. I think Eason's now at Washington. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, it would be pretty crazy if Justin Fields came in and unseated the freshman quarterback who took Georgia to the national title game last year. Um, but I don't think there's a 0% chance of that happening. Kind of like how the Alabama quarterback unseated the quarterback who took them to the national yeah. championship game in the middle of the national championship game. Right. But, two, but he's also a freshman, so I'm like, I'm not, I wouldn't be shaking in my boots at the prospect of Justin Fields because we just don't know yet. Yeah. yeah. And in fairness to Jake Fromm, he played so much better in the playoff. He really improved, I think, from the SEC title game to that Rose Bowl. He looked like, he didn't look like a quarterback that was just handing the ball to the running backs 15, 50 times a game. He could make some pros. Do you, as you think about this Ohio State offense, is it your belief that Dwayne Haskins and J.K. Dobbins are both elite? That Dwayne Haskins and J.K. Dobbins both could be, maybe should be, the best players in the country at their position or among the top two or three best players in the country at their position? Yeah, I don't know if they're the best. Um, I'd probably take Bryce Love over J.K. Dobbins, um, and I'd I don't know. At the at the moment, I just, I'm not going to say Dwayne Haskins is, but I think he has the potential to be the best. But you do believe that you do when you think about from what we've seen when you and what they are as recruits and just the way mm-hmm. they've developed. When you think top end potential, for sure, I think there's the, the I think it's somewhat likely that by like mid October, we're like Ohio State has the best backfield in the country, and it's not close. The quarterback running back combination. Yeah, I think that's possible, too. They don't have to be number one positions. I think if they're both top ten at their respective positions, you'd have to love the state Ohio shape, the shape Ohio State is in. Oh, I disagree with that. I don't think top ten would be good enough, not to win a national title. I think Jake, I think JK, if J.K. Dobbins looks like the eighth best running back in the country and Dwayne Haskins is the eighth best quarterback, I don't think they win the national title. Yeah. It's also, after I said that I think it wouldn't be close, it would be close. Because um, Alabama still has... Damian Harris, or still has, has Najee Harris, and I think Damian Harris is still around. Yeah, too. Damian chose to stay. The Scarborough is the only one in that backfield that left. Yeah. And I'm sure, I don't know, Georgia's got 9 million running backs in the pipeline, too. Yeah. Um, it's People have been talking a lot about the idea of the Browns taking Bradley Chubb with the number four pick and pairing him with Miles Garrett and what would happen if you have two defensive ends like that. That's what Ohio State has. We think. Mm-hmm. How much of a difference does that make when we're talking elite? And, and this is a variation of every conversation we've had and will have about this team, which is how good are they? What are their best position groups? Where are the problems? But we're having this. This is the elite. This is the can they win a national championship discussion, not are they good discussion. Nick Bosa, Chase Young, is that the kind of thing? Can they win you a national championship? Yeah, I think they're two top 10 draft pick pass rushers. So, yeah, I think so. It's, it's different. It's a different. Ohio State's defensive ends have been very good over the last few years. This is a different level. So then my question for you, Tim, is linebackers are important too. The Iowa game showed that. But let's look at, the se- let's look at pass defense as a whole, which is primarily the secondary, but we'll also take into account their ability with either 
uh, nickel corners or safeties or linebackers to cover tight ends in the middle of the field. We know that's important. Is this secondary? Is this pass coverage? When they are facing elite top-level quarterbacks, and I think that's a big distinction in the Big Ten, you don't often get that, so this becomes a two-pronged question. And I'm going to give you the second part first because I want you to talk about it in terms of who they would face in the playoff. Would you have confidence that this Ohio State defense could defend the pass against quarterbacks they might face in the playoff, or would you have a question about that now? I would have a question about that because we only have really one guy in the secondary that we know for a fact is proven and so- and very good, and that's Jordan Fuller. We, I think we still have questions about Damon Arnett, Kendall Sheffield. We want to see what Jeffrey Okuda can do. But when you only have one proven commodity back there in Fuller, it's natural to have questions. You don't have a Denzel Ward waiting back there to step in and be the number one guy. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. So now here's the other part of that question. They're probably, almost certainly, going to face that level of elite quarterback before the playoff. You don't often get it in the Big Ten. But assuming Shea Patterson is eligible at Michigan this year, and that everybody thinks he's going to be, right? They yeah. haven't made the decision, but we're assuming he's going to be. There was there's some mock draft out there that we don't really trust, but just you know, people like to do mock drafts for 2019 that has Shea Patterson, the transfer from Ole Miss, who's coming to Michigan at quarterback. They have him as the number one pick in the whole 2019 draft. Is it possible? That when Ohio State faces Shea Patterson and the Michigan offense in the last game of the regular season, that Shea Patterson will be the best throwing Big Ten quarterback of the past 10 years at someplace other than Ohio State. Or among them, that that this will be, it's a thing we talk about all the time, when Clayton Thorson, who by the way was like the eighth pick in this draft that I saw... But there are a lot of fake good Big Ten quarterbacks that get propped up as good in this league because it's not a league that produces great throwers, typically. And when Jim Harbaugh got to Michigan, that's what the thing was that we thought he would bring. He's going to bring a pro-style offense. He's going to recruit quarterbacks. And you are going to see first-round caliber quarterbacks at Michigan on a regular basis. It hasn't been the case so far. If it, gets, if it happens with Shea Patterson, it's through a transfer, but in the end, he's the guy on the field. How, how possible is that, you think, that Shea Patterson will be that kind of level and will be the test that this Ohio State defense faces, not in the playoff, but on the way to the playoff? Um, I, think, I think possible, like kind of very likely, I think. Um, you're talking about his five-star number one player in position when he came out of high school, and, and he's moved to a better situation with better players around him at Michigan than I think he had around him at Ole Miss. Um, so yeah, I think it, it's I think it's there's a scenario at play in which Ohio State goes on a, a run to the playoff and Shea Patterson is the best quarterback they see all year. Yeah, and I mean if Pat and if Patterson had played the best you're gonna see all season, it's probably Trace McSorley. Yeah, Trace McSorley without Saquon Barkley. Right. Shea Patterson, 166 for 260, 64% completions, 2,259 yards. 17 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and just 7 games at Ole Miss last year. Um, that will be a fascinating thing. And we'll only write about that a million times. But, but that is a thing that is just we, – and we've talked about that a million times, just the lack of first-round quarterbacks in the Big Ten. Yeah. Just that 
when you go face Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield sliced you up, that's just not the world you live in. When you go face Deshaun Watson, that's not the world that Ohio State typically lives in. Um, and they, when they've been at their best, they've been able to handle it. They beat Marcus Mariota the year he won the Heisman. He was the number two pick in the NFL draft. So they've shown they can handle it, but that typically isn't what you face week in and week out in this conference. And if Shea Patterson is what he might be, and he's thrown it to Donovan Peoples-Jones, and they have some running backs there, right? That It's possible, like you said, he's stepping into a situation where he has some guys around him, and what Michigan has been short with is the quarterback position. If they get that right, they could be really good, could they not? Yeah, no, I think yeah, I think that's that's and the offensive line too has has not been great, but I think there's an expectation that that's better. Thanks to Ed Warner. Thanks to yeah, Ed Warner's a good offensive line coach, man. He can't call plays, but he can coach an offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I th- yeah, I think this is we've talked about it before, and we'll talk about it again. It's like a make or break year for Jim Harbaugh because of what he finally has at the quarterback. Because even, even if it's not Shea Patterson, it's probably Brandon Peters, which right. he should be ready to. And yep. if he's not, then that's a problem for Harbaugh. By the way, uh, if we're actually having a conversation about the 2019 quarterback draft class that includes the names Shea Patterson and Clayton Thorson and like Drew Locke, then the idea of Dwayne Haskins going one and done like just shot up in my mind like 50%. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is also why you're seeing NFL teams go nuts with this draft class because you've got to get it now. Yeah. Because I think it's very possible that, even though I don't like Josh Allen at all, but I think it's very possible, just the way we're looking at it at the moment, that there's five quarterbacks in this draft better than any in the next draft class. Yes. Darnold, Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. And I think we... And Mason Mason Rudolph, too. And and Mason Rudolph, who our guy Kean Fahey is in love with and thinks is the best quarterback in this draft. I think you may see that reflected in, in... five quarterbacks in the top 15 picks. And part of it is, because nothing happens in a vacuum, you know, you got to get your guy when he's there. But also the idea of if there's, if there's a team that thinks, well, we need a quarterback because our guy is good but he's getting old, you got to get him this year because you don't know what's coming next year. Yeah. Just like last year, everybody saw this year coming. Mm-hmm. This year, I think you look at next year and wonder what the heck's going to be there when it comes to quarterbacks. Let's get off Ohio State for a second, and then we'll get, we're going to talk about the latest Ohio State recruit that they added this week. We're going to talk about Pro Day coming up. But Tim, continuing the Michigan discussion, Michigan at 8-1 to one is the fifth choice on this sheet. <laughs> Penn State at 10-1 to one is the sixth choice. You think that's backwards? Um, yeah, I do, I do want to put this with an asterisk. This is... If Shea Patterson is eligible, because if he's not eligible, then those Michigan odds are going to plummet. That's how big a difference I think Shea Patterson makes, and I yep. think how undervalued to me Penn State is, even though they've lost so many guys. They've they've done a great job, I think, adding young players in, and this is going to be the, the ultimate test for that. They do have McSorley back, which is a nice boost. You do have uh, Miles Sanders back, who's a good running back. Four or five star. Yes, exactly. And it, it and if it wasn't for Barkley, you know, Sanders could be doing some of the some of the things that Barkley does. Not at Barkley's level, but close to it. And Michigan, I just have a lot of questions about this offense. You know, the running backs are neither Karan Higdon or Chris Evans are spectacular. They're both good, but they're not great. Michigan's receiving core really took a hit after Tariq Black went out. The freshman went out with an injury. Donovan Peoples-Jones had a good freshman season, but after him, there wasn't a lot. And the defense... There's not going to be problems with the defense. Don Brown's going to probably be there forever, and they're going to have a good defense for a while, even with Maurice Hurst gone. But I just have such questions about that offense for Michigan. 
that they're such a one-dimensional team that if anybody can score on them, you get to 28 points and Shea Patterns is not there. I wouldn't like Michigan's chances to win. There's one Penn State loss that you did not mention. Joe, Joe Moorhead? Joe Moorhead. Well, I know you're a – aren't you a big Ricky Ron guy? No, I don't know who that individual is. <laughs> I thought he was the, he's he's the new guy, right? He's the new he's a new, yeah, yeah, no, he's not. Joe Moorhead was awesome for Penn State. Now he's gone. He's at Mississippi State, and I think that – like I. The reason I like Michigan more than Penn State this year, even if Brandon Peters is the quarterback and Shea Patterson's not, is because Penn State doesn't have Joe Moorhead anymore. And I still don't think James Franklin has a great day of game coach, and Joe Moorhead bailed him out a couple times the last two years. I said we were moving on. We're not, because there's two more parts to this Ohio State <laughs> thing that we need to discuss, the one thing I kept talking about. Other than the roster, the thing that matters is your schedule. And I think this is a national championship schedule for Ohio State. And I mean that in a couple different ways. One of them is just like the way it sets up. There are four teams on their schedule who are among ESPN's early top 25. But I think they will, they'll be in everybody's preseason top 25. Michigan State is ninth, Penn State is 10th, Michigan's 11th, and TCU is 16th. Here's how the schedule sets up for them, which it has not always done this way. They go Oregon State Rutgers to start off, then they play TCU in Dallas on a neutral site, but it's yeah. a stone's throw from TCU's campus. So you have two lousy opponents to get ready for TCU. Then you have Tulane, and then you have Penn State. So you don't have TCU and Penn State back-to-back. You have a down week against Tulane to get ready for Penn State. Then you go Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, Nebraska. Nebraska with Scott Frost will probably get something rolling a little bit more. Jeff Brom in year two at Purdue, they'll probably be a little better. That's but, at Purdue too, right? Yeah, that's that's at Purdue. Well, just, you know, just walk in the West Lafayette thinking you're going to win. Yeah, crazy things happen in Especially West Lafayette. Especially when uh, Vince Lombardi's coaching. <laughs> For all we know, Purdue. <laughs> Then you get Michigan State. So you have that month to get ready for Michigan State. Then you have Maryland, which which we think might be okay. They had problems yeah. last year when all their quarterbacks got hurt, and they'll if they have healthy quarterbacks, they'll be better, be better. right? Yeah. But but there were years there were years when Ohio, when Ohio State played Michigan State, Michigan back to back. Yeah. So this you get Michigan State, then Maryland, then Michigan. So you don't have Michigan State and Michigan back to back. So you don't have any of the four preseason ranked teams in a row. And you sort of have a prep a little bit before all of them. Now Nebraska ahead of Michigan State might be tough. But I think that sets up. So it's like the the order of the schedule I think helps you. Where's the bye working? It's in between Purdue and Nebraska. Oh. So I think that helps. And then the other thing is no two-loss team has made the playoff yet. In the first year in 2014, the highest-ranked two-loss team was Mississippi State at number seven in the final playoff rankings. In 2015, Stanford was number six with two losses. In 2016, Penn State was fifth. And last year, Ohio State was fifth. So the last two years, a two-loss team was right on the cusp. A two-loss team will get in someday. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to be a two-loss team that gets in, you've got to have you've got to play a good schedule. Mm -hmm. You can't get in as a two-loss team because you lost to the only two good teams you played. 
So I think a schedule like this, when Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan are all supposed to be good, and when you're playing a TCU non-conference game that TCU should contend for the Big 12, but they aren't quite Oklahoma, they aren't quite Baker Mayfield coming in to ruin your season, I think Ohio State has would, would have a chance, a reasonable chance, if they somehow could still win the Big 10... Say there's a tie or whatever happens. Maybe TCU's one of your losses and you have one Big Ten loss, but you still have the Big Ten champ with two losses. I think this schedule might be good enough to still give you a chance to get in as a two-loss team. Hmm. And then once you're in, you see what you can do. Now, that's not for sure, but I think this schedule is not... It's not so impossible that they can't get through it with one loss. I think they're in with one loss, for sure, as the Big Ten champs with one loss on this schedule. And I think you have a chance to be in with two. So I think it also fits the window of not in, not impossible, but strong enough to get the committee's interest. And I think that matters. Do you guys agree with that assessment of the schedule? Yeah, I do. I, I never thought of it in that way. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm having a hard time seeing how you could lose two games in a tiebreaker shakeout in your way that you still get to the Big Ten title game. But I, it's not impossible, like you said, if one of the losses is TCU. But my hang-up would be like, I think... I think if you're losing two games, TCU might be a better win for you to have because you're going out of conference and beating a team that's in a quote-unquote neutral field, but like you said, 30 miles from where its campus is. Um, so I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's if it's ever going to be possible, I, I suppose it is with a schedule like this. Still, in my mind, a little unlikely to get there with two losses, but it's, it could be worse. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with Bill there. It, it, it might be hard... I guess the say, and we don't have to play this game now. But like, say you lose like to Purdue, for all we know, Purdue, mm-hmm. and then um, you also lose to Penn State. Let's say, so you have two losses in the Big Ten, and then but Penn State loses to Michigan State in a weird game, and then Michigan um, loses one, and then Penn State, as Ohio State, you beat Michigan in the last game of the year when like Michigan's like the number two team in the country, and you're number six with two losses, and you beat Michigan, and then you're, you have the head-to-head win over Michigan, and your, your other Big Ten loss is to a team in the West, which sort of helps in tiebreakers and stuff, yeah. and you end up that like there's a three-way tie for first place in the East at two losses, and you win the tiebreaker, and then you go and you beat Wisconsin or whatever in the Big yeah. Ten champion. Like, I just think... As much as we talk about undefeated seasons here at Ohio State, and as much as every loss feels like a devastating situation, uh, looking at this schedule, I don't think I would look at this schedule and predict Ohio State to go 12-0. and No. But I think I would look at this schedule and predict Ohio State to get to the playoff. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's TCU on the road. It's at Penn State. It's at Michigan State, right? And then home against Michigan? Yeah. Yeah, I would, those are three tough, two tough true road games and a one that won't be easy in Dallas. Yeah, I mean it's it's you have to be careful what you wish for a little bit every time anyone's wished for the Big Ten to be better because it's yeah. like oh congratulations there's three teams in the top ten in your division, but yeah. but it, it gives you a little cushion. This is not you do not have to you do not have to go undefeated. I guarantee you that if Ohio State is a twelve and one Big Ten champ, they're going to the playoff. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. So so that is not a bad world to live in. Um, when when we went through the first year of the playoff, where Ohio State had one loss, and all year we thought they weren't going to make it, and then they got in as the four seed thanks to a fifty nine point win in the Big Ten championship. But part of that was you didn't think the Big Ten was good enough to help them. The Big Ten is officially good enough to help them. Maryland, and, and a lot of these middle games, Maryland, Nebraska, Purdue, those are three games that you should win, but, but those are all teams that might win seven or eight games. Yeah. You know? So this, this, is a, this is a legit schedule. I think it's a very good, right-in-the-correct-window schedule of very competitive, four big games, but not impossible. Yeah. So... I didn't realize to the end. So you're at Michigan State at Maryland, and then you come home and play Michigan. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be legit. It's going to be a fun year. It makes for a fun year. Yeah. All right. We'll take a quick break here on Buckeye Talk, and we will come back with recruiting, with Pro Day, and your questions. Did you know that one in six Northeast Ohioans struggle with hunger? Many people in Northeast Ohio are forced to make tough choices. Unexpected expenses, prescription costs, rising heat costs, those are all things that can prevent people from being able to put food on the table. That can often result in hunger, but this is where you can help. Each dollar that you donate to the Harvest for Hunger campaign will result in four meals for hungry people in Northeast Ohio. So right now, Go to harvestforhunger.org and donate. That's harvestforhunger.org. Help feed your neighbors. Cleveland.com is a sponsor of the Greater Cleveland Food Bank's Harvest for Hunger campaign. We're back on Buckeye Talk. Bill Landis, James Sampson. What does he mean to you? Sampson James. He said his name backwards again. <laughs> I think he meant James, comma, Samson. James, yes. comma, Samson. Um, it's an interesting commitment. He's a four-star running back from Avon, Indiana, which I believe is Brandon Peters High School. Yep. Um, I talked to that coach. Yeah. I always get, like, I see Avon. I was like, oh, Avon in Ohio. So it's Avon, Indiana. Um, four-star running back, number eight running back in the class of 2019. Um, he fits the, the mold of what you would expect from an Ohio State running back. He's big. He's 6'1". 200 and probably 210 pounds now, but looks like he'll probably play bigger. Um, not a not a shifty J.K. Dobbins type, more of a, a hit the whole straight line north and south kind of guy, more like a like you expect like Master T looks like and Brian Sneed and, and Zeke Elliott too, um, Mike Weber, um, but bigger bigger than all those guys except for Teague. Um, what's interesting about it is like the not necessarily the timing because this is about the time you expect Ohio State to get some commitments, but they had higher profile running backs on their board. Um, guys like Trey Sanders and Noah Kane from IMG Academy, Devin Ford from, he's from Virginia, right? Yeah, Stafford. <coughs> Stafford. Oh, I have family who lives in Stafford, Virginia. <laughs> um, who are just higher ranked than, than Samson James, and I, I think it's possible that Ohio State ends up taking only one running back in this class. So uh, you can look at it one of two ways that it's that it's interesting and Maybe that means that they won't get some of those higher-profile guys, but also that Ohio State is perfectly content not getting some of those high, higher-profile guys because they evaluated Samson James as a guy who fits into what they're looking for from a running back. But um, 
He's the third commitment in the class. He's the first running back. The other two are offensive linemen, and I think in the end he could end up being the only running back in the class, depending on how things shake out. It's impossible to predict this kind of stuff, and we're not saying anything about Samson James. We're just looking at past history and how recruiting works. Is there a possibility that they took this now, and if the number one running back in this class wants to commit to Ohio State, they take that commit, and Samson James ends up not being a Buckeye? Um. Yeah, I guess so, but I think if that were to happen, it would be Samson James' decision. They had been recruiting him for a long time. He's visited Ohio State a bunch of times. Um, I think there's a really good relationship there, so it would, I, I would be surprised. I think if, if that situation arises and one of those guys like Sanders, Kane, or Ford wants to come to Ohio State, that they would just take two and make it work. I don't think – like they're not going to say, see you later, Samson James, because one of those other guys wants to come. I don't. If that were the case and they were going to do that, I don't think they would have taken him now in the first place. So – J.K. Dobbins is a sophomore. Mm-hmm. He will be the starting running back this year, along with Mike Weber. 2019, J.K. Dobbins will be the starting running back. Who is your prediction for who will be Ohio State's starting running back in 2020? Ooh. You may say senior J.K. Dobbins. You may say juniors Master Teague or Brian Sneed. Or you may say Samson James, who would be a or sophomore that year. Or senior Antonio Williams. Who Urban Meyer pointed out, said has had a good offseason. Um, or you may say person who is not on the roster or committed yet. Um, I think Dobbins has gone after three years. I've been very high on Master Teague, and he's in here early. So I think it's possible you could see a situation where Master Teague looks ahead of Brian Sneed now, like in the first year of a career, or at least in the first summer of their career, but then Brian Sneed overtakes him. So I'll say Brian Sneed, who was a top 100 national prospect, number three running back in the country, who, like, in an odd way, is, like, flying under the radar a little bit, I think, in this class. Just because he committed so early and, he was a first and didn't commit, talk to reporters. Yeah, first commit in the class, and then I don't think spoke for a year. Like, not to anybody, not to his own family, not to anyone. Just yeah. was a mute for a year. I respect that. Yeah. Tim, do you have a prediction? Uh, I think Teague. I, I, you know, I did the recruiting roundups last season. Uh, every week, it seemed, until his injury, Teague was putting up monstrous numbers. I know the competition was not great in Tennessee compared to Sneed down in Florida, but you still had to be good to put up the kind of numbers that he put up. I think it, as long as he's healthy, you know, he'll be able to produce the way I think he did as a senior. I think he was massively underrated by the recruiting services, and the injury had a lot to do with it. Are you going to give him credit for that? Who, Ari? Yeah. No, I'm going to look at it. It's not a unique thought. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys about it. I'm just saying, I was in my thing, too. Oh. Before he tweeted that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, well, that, but I want to talk about Tony Alford. I want to talk, I want to talk about... I think it's interesting um, when... Position groups get rolling. And, like, Urban Meyer loves that stuff. Like, Larry Johnson, with, like, the defensive ends he's getting here, they got it rolling, right? The defensive ends want to come here to be the next guy. Cornerbacks with Kerry Combs, they had it rolling. Corners want to be here to play in this defense and be the next guy. What do you think about the way Tony Alford seemingly has the running back position rolling? Major ups to Tony Alford for going down to Texas and plucking J.K. Dobbins out of there. That is a huge get. Master Teague and Brian Sneed are more guys who are not in the backyard. 
Uh, Samson James is certainly closer, but this is not just taking the best running back in Ohio. What do you think of... And there's area recruiting and position recruiting, and there's a lot that goes into it, but certainly the position coach has a lot to do with recruiting at his position. So what do you think of the way they've recruited running back where a lot of the credit would have to go to Tony Alford if you believe there is credit to give? Uh, he's done a really good job. I think probably the behind Larry Johnson and Kerry Combs, who's now gone, like the third most consistent recruiter they've had. Offensive line's been up and down. Receiver's been up and down. Quarterback's been a little weird, though it's, it's obviously a strong room right now, but Tony Alford has consistently recruited top ten players at the position since he's been here, and most of those guys have been top five. And the only one who's not top ten is Master Teague, and he was 11. Um, so, yeah, he's done he's done an excellent job. He was, And that's why they brought him here. He was the recruiting coordinator at Notre Dame, did a really good job recruiting there, and he came here and he hasn't missed a beat. Um and I, I, whatever you want to look at his, like his Northeast Ohio recruiting, I think because he's the area guy and he's been influential with recruitments of like Jalen Harris. Um, I think he had a hand in Ryan Jacoby, who's one of their commits in 2019. But look at his position specifically, and, and you can't dispute that it's as strong, I think, as any other assistant coach on the staff. You know what I say? Give that man a million dollars. Yeah. It's also uh, not. Easy. I, I don't want to say it's easy. It's. I think it is easy overall to recruit to Ohio State. It's certainly easier than to recruit to other places. But he also has like a hell of a example to point to on what Zeke Elliott did two years ago, and I think yeah. that still carries weight. It's 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 just interesting to remember when Urban Meyer got here, and a lot of people, a lot of us, made uh, made an issue of the fact that he didn't have a thousand yard running back rusher at Florida. He had Tim Tebow, who was a running back playing quarterback. Um, but they just didn't. They didn't. That's not what he did. He handed the ball. They they ran it with Tebow and Percy Harvin. Mm-hmm. They didn't run it with a tailback. And then he got here and uh, inherited Carlos Hyde. And Carlos Hyde was a very very productive running back here in 2013. Uh, recruited Ezekiel Elliott. You saw what he became. And Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins. It's now now. It's like a it's like a thing. It's like who wants to come be the next thirteen hundred yard tailback on the way to the NFL at Ohio State because it is this power spread where they want to run it first and it's going to be really interesting. J K Barrett J T he leaves and I forget him. J T Barrett took a lot of carries the past couple of years. The quarterback, if it's Dwayne Haskins, is not going to take carries like that. While we're going to talk a lot about the passing game, there is absolutely opportunity for J.K. Dobbins to go off this mm-hmm. year and Mike Weber to go off because they are going to give the ball to the running back a lot and give the ball to the running back in big situations. And if ever those tailbacks said, oh, man, it's third and two, and I'm out here playing receiver because we <laughs> went empty set, they're getting the ball yeah. this year. This is going to be a chance for Ohio State tailbacks to shine, which, which again, is just interesting to me about taking this kid now if J.K. Dobbins rushes for 1,850 yards this year and gets an invite to New York, some of those top two, three tailbacks in the country are going to be very interested in coming here. Yeah, for sure. And they're going to. It's not just a one-off. You have, yeah, because because Mike Weber is not. Mike Weber's been fine, but he's not the one. His production is not what's attracted people yet. It's still Elliott, right? Uh, Thursday is pro day at Ohio State. Everybody will be here. We don't have the full list yet of who will be participating in it. I'm trying to think who is the biggest. Um, I thought about this a lot just the, with the huge contract Andrew Norwell got. 
in the NFL, the highest paid guard in the NFL right now, he did not get invited to the combine, <laughs> which we kind of were flummoxed by in the moment. But there are guys like that where that's a huge deal. If you don't get invited to the combine, your pro day is, is what you hang your hat on. They had how many guys at the combine, Tim? They had 11. Is, who's, I can't even think. Is there a guy who didn't get a combine invite? Basically, everybody got a combine invite, right? Michael Hill and Tracy Sprinkle, I think. Yeah, were those the were the only two. So this would be, this is a big day for Tracy Sprinkle and Michael Hill then to try to do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tim, you were at the combine for us. Uh, as we just think about pro day, and again, they have not put up the full list. There's always a couple former Buckeyes who are not in the league right now, who are a year or two removed um, from the NFL, who may come back for pro day and try things. You know, there there've been interesting stories. Nate Ebner was a guy who was a special teamer and a, and a non-scholarship guy at Ohio State who went through Pro Day and got picked by the Patriots now has Super Bowl rings. Um, Jamie Meter was from Ashland. He came to Ohio State's Pro Day a couple years ago. Now he plays for the Browns. Um, there's always a, usually a little weird story here or there, but I don't know who that might be. We haven't seen the list yet. But who is this Pro Day, even of the main guys, of the 11 guys who did go to the Combine, who needs a good Pro Day, Tim? Um, I think a couple guys need one. Number one that sticks out to my mind is JT Barrett because, uh, I mean, what he did the combine was kind of the summary of his career. You know, mixed reviews. He made some nice throws at the combine, but also missed some throws. So he needs to really come back, you know, test well, throw really well to give himself a shot at getting drafted. Another guy I'm looking at. Uh, Sam Hubbard. I I wrote a story at the combine about how he's on that fringe of being a one or a two. He he helped himself a little bit with his three cone time, which was tremendous. But he didn't run all the drills. He's going to need to do that. He's pro- he's going to need to do that on Thursday. Run well in the forty. Run well again in the combine. Run well in the three cone again, and prove that he could be fluid in both pass rush drills and maybe some linebacker drills. If if he goes to a three four and he's an outside linebacker. And another guy, I'm interested, Tyquan Lewis. He didn't do all the drills because he was sick. He told me after his at, at the first spring practice that when he did, I think it was like an 11 foot, it was like a one of the best broad jumps of all defensive linemen. Tyquan told me that was the worst he'd done in, in the broad jump since high school. Really? And it was like top six or top seven among defensive linemen, which I find fascinating. So Tyquan could have a big day. Yeah, Tyquan could have a big day. Now that he's healthy, he's no longer sick. We saw him. I saw, like I said, I saw him first day of spring practice. He looked a lot better. I mean, full credit to him for even going to the combine, doing not all the drills, but some of them while sick. That's some. That's gutsy. I got sick on a cruise one time, and I couldn't go snorkeling. It mm. sucks to be sick at the wrong time. It does. I had a really bad stomach virus one time uh, while I was at Pearl Harbor. Really? Yeah. Um. There's a joke in there somewhere. I'm not sure what it is. When no, you, I was thinking about the Antonio Pipkin guy you talked to last year. Who was oh, a quarterback yeah. from Tiffin. Yeah. I was looking up where, what he's up to now as Tim was talking. He plays for the Montreal, Montreal Alouettes. Oh, congratulations to him. Montreal's lovely. Yeah. They speak French there. So that, that now makes three Ohio State uh, players, three Ohio guys that are in the CFL. Because I think Dontre Wilson's in BC and our old friend Torrance Gibson is now in Edmonton. What I was wondering that? if Dontre Wilson would show up to Pro Oh, that could, that could happen. What's up with Torrance Gibson? I have no idea. It's the craziest thing. Who wrote the post on it? I did. Yeah. What's up? Uh, he signed with the Edmonton Eskimos. Like, he went to... All right, let's re- quickly rehash a Torrance Gibson story. <laughs> uh, 
suspended from Ohio State for the 2016 fall semester, so he didn't play. We all thought there was a chance that he would get reinstated and play for Ohio State in 2017. That didn't happen. He says I'm going to Cincinnati, but first I have to go to Cincinnati State to get my courses right so that I can try to play for Cincinnati in 2017. Apparently that was a pipe dream. It was never going to happen. So uh, he finishes up at Cincinnati State, doesn't end up at Cincinnati to play for Luke Fickle, ends up at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, uh, went there as a quarterback, played a handful of games as a quarterback, was not on the team for like two weeks, and then shows up back on the team, this time as a receiver. I don't know what happened after that. But now uh, on Friday, it was uh, released by the Edmonton Eskimos that he had signed a contract to play in the CFL as a receiver. Well, Devere Posey showed there's now an Ohio State pipeline into the CFL. Deron Carter's there. Posey was the Grey Cub MVP. I think it was in November, I think it was. October, November. Yeah, I'm not counting Torrance Gibson in the Ohio State CFL pipeline. Well, I mean, as far as guys at least showed up on Ohio State's campus. You know, it's hard. And, and the other part of Torrance Gibson is... He got to Ohio State in 2015, thought he was going to be a quarterback, and like a week later was a receiver. Yeah, then redshirted that year. He just wanted, he was a five star guy, so he was going to end up at a major program. But like, what if, if Torrance Gibson had gone to South Florida? He's from Florida, right? Mm-hmm. Or if Torrance, I'm just trying to think of if, if Torrance Gibson had gone to the 60th best program in the country. That would have like gone nuts to get him, like would he would have been like the highest ranked recruit in the history of that program, and they would have just played him at quarterback. Like, do you think it's it's impossible? So there's no reason to speculate. Like, was Torrance Gibson maybe just the kind of guy that things were going to get sideways no matter what, or is there a universe out there where like Torrance Gibson is just at a at a mid level school putting up monster numbers, and people are saying. Oh man, this guy's going to be like an under the radar NFL draft pick. Like I'd take a risk at him, mm. you know. Like I just yeah, wonder I about guys like that. I, like as a quarterback, I don't know, and I guess you you probably can't draw a straight line in this way. But his he played like seven games at quarterback at the JUCO level, and his numbers were not great. His passing, his rushing numbers were fine. Like that's not surprising, but his passing numbers were not great. So I don't know that 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 was enough evidence to me that he probably wasn't going to be able to hack it as a FBS quarterback. Um, but it's also, yeah, it's not out of the question for me that if he were to go to South Florida and they were going to like use him like Tim Tebow and have him run 20 times a game and then have him throw 10 times a game. I think there's a, I think there's a, a universe in which Torrance Gibson has a productive college career as a quarterback. I just don't think it was ever leading to the NFL. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to bring us into the Torrance Gibson rabbit hole. No, no, that's a that's a uh, the only thing better than Tate Martell rabbit hole. A prosperous rabbit hole. Yeah, prosperous rabbit hole. So I'll have the next reason probably to watch some CFL in my downtime in the summer. By the way, uh, also on that Korean buffet rabbit hole. (laughs) (laughs) Questions, cynical Negro, our guy at NW Drone four one zero. Not really football, but more about your job since you guys aren't fans. Is it better for your career to cover perpetual national championship contenders, or is it better to cover a program going through scandal? Think SMU, not Baylor. Oh. Yeah, that's a fun discussion. I Scandal, I would say no, but like like just a crappy pro like we've talked about it before, like Covering a team in the middle would suck, but like covering Ohio State, which operates at the height of college football, is interesting. And like covering, it's not the college football, like covering the Browns going through a massive rebuild is also interesting. But I don't know if covering a program like 
getting buried under scandal would be all that fun. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, for your it's more it's more fun day to day when there's something interesting going on, like yeah. you said, which is either a great team or a team that's in turmoil. Um, I do think, as much as you like to think, you know what, your work stands on its own, and if you cover Purdue and do a great job, people will notice. Like, if you want to, like, move up, if anybody in sports journalism still can move up in a world where everybody's getting laid off, if your team's in the playoff, more people see your work. Like, yeah. it just is a reality. Like, there's just, there's just a, an unfair... You have, you have nothing to do with it. But you're just out there. National writers are around. National editors are around. Because the national sites are covered. The national sites don't go to the games between teams that are five and four and four and five. Mm-hmm. So if you're covering a really good team and you have a chance to get exposure for that. Um, and here, I mean, I've, you know, I've been through both. I've covered a team that won a national championship and the team that won the two national title games. I wasn't here for the 2002 national championship, but then I also covered Ohio State in turmoil in the NCAA scandal. And it's really, it's hard. It's hard to cover the scandal stuff, but you're looking, you're trying to to do your own work in uh, the midst of this investigation. And so there is a chance there that if you do some good reporting, you can find some things. Um, and you can get noticed that way too. I mean, but the main thing is there is you're not worried about getting noticed. You're just trying to, A, like not get your not get crushed by the national media yeah. and get beat on every story. And you're just mostly trying to make sure that you do it fairly and accurately, which is... The, the stakes are ramped up when you're dealing with stuff like that. Um, but I do think probably it's better for your career. I just If you cover a winner, you know, just there's more exposure to it. But there's been lots of people who I think have been propelled um, into big jobs by covering scandal. Mm-hmm. You know, by covering scandal. So I still remember, I didn't do a, I did an okay job during the Ohio State scandal. I didn't do a great job. Uh but I remember you did a you do a lot of running around, and I remember one time. It must have been that April or that May in 2011. I saw somebody tweet. I think it was Twitter. Uh, put on social media that Jim Trussell was like talking to somebody's class at Ohio State about something, and that was at a time period when Trussell was embroiled in this stuff, and nobody had access to Trussell. Um, I had been at the Big Ten meetings earlier that spring in uh, Chicago, which we don't typically go to those, but I went that year. And I remember Trussell was talking. There weren't, I don't know if there were any other Ohio State writers there, but he was talking to like a group and he did a very short interview and then he went and hopped in an elevator. And I like pointed at him and was like, can I get more with you? And he like waved me into the elevator and I like ran. I was like, it's like Indiana Jones racing to like get through the elevator doors before they shut. And like the other reporters were like, go, Doug, go, like get through the door. <laughs> and I remember hopping into that elevator with him. And I think I had like the length of the ride of the elevator to get a couple more questions in. But on this day, I remember someone tweeted that Jim Truss was in their classroom. So I, I figured out like what building that was in and drove down to campus and, like, staked out the classroom until he came out. Um, and this was right near the end of things. I remember asking him, are you worried about your job? And he said, no, should I be? 
And it was like, well, I don't know if you've noticed what's going on, but this stuff's kind of hitting the fan. And then it was like a month later he resigned. But it was like that idea of like you're, you're sitting in your house trying to find – trying to report. You're just trying to report on what's happening because it's happening without you or not. You aren't making the story at that point. The stuff's happened. The investigation is underway. You're just trying to report and like seeing that and like being like I need to be in my car in 30 seconds so I can try to go get this guy. Um, and there's a lot of that going on. So – but I do think it matters. Do you guys think – I mean like do you th- – you just get more attention when your team's good. We would not have had the pleasure oh! of having Marty Smith on this podcast were it not for Ohio State being Whoop. good. But exactly. yeah, no, I think it's true. The Marty party don't go to Purdue, baby. He's got his own podcast now. His own own? Yeah, Marty Smith's America, po- the podcast. Oh, for real? Yeah, first episode's out now. Jason, did he, Jason Aldean's his guest. Did he have us on? No. We're give part it, of America. He said he might talk to other media people, which I just assumed was us. Oh, yeah. That was a subtweet right at us. Yeah. Alan Kitchen at a Kitchen 87. As a follow-up to your Austin Mack article, I wrote about Austin Mack and put it up on Tuesday. Can't guard Mack. The Twitter handle is available. No, I was going to grab it for him. I want him to be there when he wants to change it. <laughs> I asked him. I, I asked him if he's if he's like that's out there, and he was like, Ugh. <laughs> he's very. He was very uncomfortable. I at a time. I at times can have. A unique or a strange interviewing style, and when I've decided that I think a player is going to be good, a lot of the times my questions are basically along the lines of, "You're good, right? You know you're good. Aren't you going to be good? You're going to be good, aren't you? Just say you're going to be good. Aren't you going to be good? I think you're going to be good. Come on, tell me you're good." And they're like, "Uh, culture, uh, brotherhood, next man up." Nobody, nobody wants to be the guy like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm awesome," because they don't want that to show up and have get crap for it. Except for Nick Bosa. Except for Nick Bosa, he doesn't care. He knows he backs it up. So, like, I was trying to tell Austin Mack, basically, like, on Buckeye Talk, we've decided that you're the breakout receiver. Like, come on, right? Come yeah. on. And he was sort of like, he wants to be Mike Thomas, who Mike Thomas, would like, will take the world on. But he doesn't want to, like, brag about it. Um, so I, fe- I feel bad if I made Austin Mack uncomfortable, but I do hope that I get him to change his Twitter handle. Because he wants to be like Mike Thomas. Mike Thomas is can't guard Mike. I said you should be can't guard Mack. It's available. Alan Kitchen, why does it take our receivers three years to develop? Alabama seems to have at least one this year, three, as Tim pointed out. True freshman receivers who contribute in a meaningful way. The gap in the recruiting rankings for wide receiver doesn't seem to be huge either. Like why, like Donovan Peoples-Jones was a huge target for Ohio State. Went to Michigan, started for Michigan. Mm-hmm. Why, why are they not running starting freshman receivers out there? Why... Why was Austin Mack as a true sophomore? And Zach Smith, when we when we talked about Austin Mack, said, you know, people forget he was a true sophomore last year, which is a good point. It's only his second year, but also sometimes true sophomores are all Americans. Yeah. And Austin Mack was like sixth on the team in, re- in receiving, and this was a guy who had a huge pedigree, big time recruit, lots of receiver experience, his own receivers coach in high school. You've written about this bill, their idea of bringing in athletes and turning them into receivers, and that obviously takes time. But but then they've gotten away from that. Now they've started bringing in receivers, but yet we really haven't seen like the instant impact receiver here. Is there any reason why? And is it is it a good thing or a bad thing? Maybe it's good that they don't have to play freshman receivers because they have so many good veteran receivers. No true freshman or, or true sophomore would really have a shot. Um. 
Is it the position coach? <laughs> Why do you have to be? I mean, what else could it be? Like, they don't have... The closest thing they've they've brought in to, like, a ready-made receiver prospect was Trayvon Grimes, and then he had stuff going on with his family, and he had to leave the team, like, after, what was it, two games, right? Um, and he was on the field. Like, he didn't... I don't know if he had a catch, or maybe he had two catches before he left, but maybe he was on that path. But other than him, they haven't really had... Like, Austin Mack was a four-star. Ben Victor was a four-star. They're top 100 national prospects, but they're not jump off the page, page five-star, this guy's going to be awesome as soon as, he shows, as soon as he shows up here kind of prospects. So I think that has a part of it. We've talked, talked about that before, like who's the guy they're going to bring in, who's the five-star, can't-miss guy at receiver. Hasn't happened yet. Um, and then it's like the, I think you point to the position coach and the development of the position, which hasn't been great. Um, maybe it's been a little better over the last year or maybe from 2016 to 2017 there was some, some decent improvement among the guys, but – I think combination of not landing a five-star and not having um, the kind of coaching that I think can lead to that kind of freshman breakout star is what's kept Ohio State from having one. Yeah, they just it is interesting. I mean, again, we've talked about the, 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 all the five-stars. They just haven't had that guy there. Yeah. They just haven't had that guy that you got to get him on the field guy. And again, the thing is, they don't play a lot of freshmen in important roles. They're too good for that. But the point... And maybe we could, I don't know, did you look up Alabama stuff? Yes, I actually pulled up three things for them. I pulled up the recruiting rankings for 2017. I pulled up the stat sheet from 2017, the season, and the box score from the national championship game. Okay. Hold it. I was fascinated by all three of these. Alabama freshman receiver info from Tim Bielek. Go. All right, here we go. Here's their top three receivers. All these rankings are by 24-7. Jerry Judy, five-star receiver, number 21 prospect. Devontae Smith, number 62, four-star prospect. Henry Ruggs III, 75th overall, four-star prospect. In terms of total receiving yards last season, Calvin Ridley, far and away number one, not even close. Not a lot of passes thrown by Alabama, as you'd expect. But number two and number three in receiving yards, Jerry Judy, number two, Henry Ruggs, number three. And then Alabama-Georgia National Championship game, who leads them in receiving? Devontae Smith, 41 yards. All of them came on that game-winning touchdown. But Henry Ruggs, the third, three catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown. Jerry Judy, 20-yard catch. And this is in Alabama. So, But the main thing we'd point to is that those are all, those three freshman receivers are all top 100 national players, and Ohio State is not getting top 100 national players at receiver. Not, no, not all. Well, they are. Lately, they are. Austin Mack was, and I think if Ben, Back, ben Victor wasn't, he was right on the cusp. Um, in this recruiting class, Cameron Babb is. Um, but yeah, it, they they hadn't been, for sure. But they have in the last two recruiting classes. And now, the, you don't expect Cameron Babb coming off a knee injury, too, to be anything significant this year. But Mac was like that kind of profile and just didn't get on the field much as a freshman. And for reference, anybody asking about Jalen Harris, he was number 177 in the 2017 class. Mm-hmm. What was Grimes? Grimes was uh, number 41. Yeah. That's a shame that that didn't work out for Ohio State. Best of luck to Trayvon Grimes at where? Miami? Florida. 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 Best of luck to Trayvon Grimes at Florida. I'll be very curious to see how his, his career develops. Hopefully it's a good one. Um, are you how, – how are you – are you guys ready to talk 2020 recruiting? No. No? no. I can – I've been doing it for a little bit. I can take a stab at it. All right. Evan Imel. Kind of a big question, and then he also has a fast food question. We'll get to second. Based off 24-7's new rankings, 
Is a week 2020 high school class in Ohio a concern for Ohio State? Or does it not matter to the recruiting machine we have now? In your Indestructible Program podcast, you talked about little competition for Ohio kids. What happens if Harrison, who, what's his, who's Harrison? Zach, Zach Harrison. Harrison. Zach Harrison, who's like the best player in the country in 2019. 2019. Mm-hmm. What happens if Zach Harrison or Paris Johnson next year, is that 2020? 2020, 2020 yes. Goes elsewhere following Jackson Carmen this year. I feel like these top guys are definitely looking at other schools a lot closer than usual. So that's two prong. What would a week 2020 Ohio class mean? And what do we think about the possibility of the best kid in Ohio maybe being more likely to leave or people coming after those guys harder? And is Ohio State vulnerable at all? Well, the, getting to Evan's first question about 2020, I think it's way too early to be really assessing the rankings. I mean, the first full 24-7 rankings just came out last week, and they only have like six five-stars in there. And I think number one is, I believe, Brian Brian Brissy. I think I'm trying to pronounce his name right. I think it's, yeah, I, don't, I think it might be Brissy. Brissy, yeah. I, I immediately spelled it, because that, that, that S and that second E is tricky. I immediately spelled it almost like Breeze with, a Z, with an S instead of a Z. Defensive end for Maryland. Yes. And no of them that class, Paris Johnson, the top-ranked Ohio and top-ranked offensive tackle. After that, you got Darian Henry from Princeton as a defensive end, Diamante Trainum from Hoban, Michael Drennan the second from Dublin. It's with where's, a, where's Paris Johnson from? Uh, Paris Johnson from St. X. Okay. Um, so I can get to that in a second when it comes to that situation. But I think with Ohio, the fact that Ohio doesn't have spring football – you can't really look too heavily at 2020 rankings because they're, they're going to be so different. Some of these kids probably haven't played varsity football other than like a handful of snaps. These are projections when you're looking at 2020. Some of these guys like Paris Johnson, he played all last season. He's already, I mean, he's 6'7", 275, and he's going to be a junior this year. That's insane when you think of that projection. It's a, it makes sense that he's number one, number one in the state, but... To kind of get back to the point, I would worry about the state rankings more so this time next year, more so than this year. Okay. I don't – I think that's true. I think that's a point well said that, that needs to be said every year with Ohio players. Um, Ohio's talent fluctuates now more than it ever has on a year-to-year basis. It's just not as strong overall. It's not as – like if you're in Georgia or Florida or Texas, you just know guys are there every year, right? Sure. And, Ohio's and not quite that level. Sometimes in Ohio there are 12 guys that are Ohio State caliber, and sometimes there are three. And when there are three, Ohio State makes up for it for going outside, and when there are 12, they'll take eight of them. So I'm not super worried about that. So, so But to that point, you think – how much do you think the overall level of talent in Ohio year-to-year matters to Ohio State's recruiting success? Not that much because if they see that Ohio's down, they'll try to get the three guys who are good enough yeah. and then just go elsewhere with no problem? I think their brand is strong enough now in other states that, that it's not that much of a problem. Okay. But we're also talking two years down the line, and, and who knows how much Georgia might dry up? Who knows how much Florida might dry up in terms of Ohio State's impact there? I think that's possible, but right now I think I think they're okay. Okay. Um, and then the other question about just the idea of the best guys. Yeah, I think I think it's okay to be mildly mildly worried about that. I do think that Jackson Carmen was like a different kind of dude, and I, that's what I chalk up most of his choice to go to Clemson to. He just is different and wanted to be different, and I think enjoyed the idea of like making that kind of splash. Um, it's not to say he won't be good. I think he will be good at Clemson. I just don't know. Like Zach Harrison, I think will 
look at some schools, but I think it's going to come down to either Penn State or Ohio State, and I think we'll choose Ohio State. And Parrish Johnson is from Cincinnati, and I think that changes the game a little bit. He's from a yep. Cincinnati Catholic school. Yep, yes. Um, and Notre Dame always comes into play with stuff like that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not on heightened alert for top players in Ohio leaving just yet. Because I'm not so sure that Jackson Carmen was a trendsetter. I think he was just more of a unique situation. Zach Harrison will be a good test. Because that's another yeah. thing, too. That's He's Columbus Suburbs, and Jackson Carmen wasn't that either. That, yeah. That'll be... You come into the Columbus Suburbs and pull someone out. Jalen Gill was a borderline five-star kid who, when Ari was here and was writing about Jalen Gill and, and how he was going to visit all these other schools and wanted to take a look and then wound up like as committed to Ohio State as you could be. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a borderline five-star kid. So what was Jalen Gill in Ohio last year? Was he number two? He was two behind yeah. Carmen. So, yeah. I mean, there's a world where, like, you know, the, if the ratings are a little bit different, Jalen Gill's the number one kid, and then Ohio State has the number one kid yeah. in Ohio. So, um, yeah, I think that's a good point. Kids are different. You look for trends – you do look for trends, and you need to look for trends. Yeah, you know, Mark Richt in Georgia was a trend. That was not a good situation. Um, but individual kids make individual decisions, and and you cannot, you know, if Zach Harrison winds up somewhere, then maybe you start saying, "Oh, there's just something about it that there's something to the pitch that other schools are coming in and saying Ohio State's taking you for granted. Look at the way they were, you know, that there's something happening." Yeah. But um, I certainly – there's no reason to expect that that's the situation. No, not not yet. And I think there's – and if there's – sometimes you hear programs talk about recruiting in-state kids like they're out-of-state kids. And I don't know if Ohio State's quite to that level with, with in-state prospects just yet, but they might be forced to go down that road, possibly with Zach Harrison. I don't think they recruited Jackson Carmen that way. Um, there is, I guess – entitlement's not the right word, but a sense of – having the upper hand because of where you are. And I think that might be – Ohio State might be loosening in its grip a little bit in that way. But if they were to put the full-court press on a kid in state like they do for kids from Florida and Georgia, I think that could remedy that quickly. Last part of Evan Imel's question. If you were trapped on a desert island with only one fast food place, what restaurant would you want it to be? That's a tremendous question. That's yeah. the kind of – we did like a whole restaurant thing last week. So we wanted to get back to football this week. That is a full podcast-worthy kind of question. So just the restaurant, not like an item from a restaurant? Yeah, I think that's the point is that you get the whole menu. Okay. Um, so I think that's – which makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, it's t- – like I think – I'm inclined to say Chick-fil-A because I think Chick-fil-A is the best. But I also think you can look at a place like Jack in the Box. Which has a lot of variety on its menu and want to pick something like that. Um, but I think I'll say Chick-fil-A because I don't think I'd get tired of chicken. You wouldn't get tired of the chicken. You would not want a beef option. No. You wouldn't miss beef? I don't think I would. I, I would actually think Jimmy John's wouldn't be a bad answer because I worry if you don't know how long you're stranded on the island. It could be a day, it could be a month, it could be 10 years. Do you really want to eat chicken every meal for 10 years? More so than Jimmy John's. Yeah. Well, I mean, Plus they have the sauces, and the sauces, it's a nice curveball. Fair, yes, but I would think of Jimmy John's, it's quality, you have all sorts of options to work with, and assuming that the food supply is never going to run out, you want, op- I would want options. You know? But I don't know if Jimmy John's gives you options, like what kind of meat and cheese But it's different kinds of meats, today? at least. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like ham and turkey and roast beef, and that's it. Well, that's different than chicken, chicken, and chicken. 
Not, not, not that much different. And there's waffle fries in the game when you're talking about Chick-fil-A. That's true. What, what Do they have sides at Jimmy John's? Uh, Just chips. The sides, are, that, 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 that's important. And Chick-fil-A has milkshakes, too. Plus, you have to also consider, what if Jimmy John's has introduced chicken? Like, we're, we're assuming... But now we're talking hypotheticals. Yeah, but they're not going to introduce... They can't introduce it in your restaurant that's on a desert island. Yeah. You're going to the desert island with the restaurant as it stands today. Yeah. Okay. It's chips, there's cookies, and there's dill pickles. Yeah, I'm out on Jimmy John's. I was maybe going to say Chipotle because you at least have different kinds of meat in that's the burrito. Good. But honestly, I think I'd say Wendy's. Because Ooh, I do... I like Wendy's burgers. I like Wendy's nugs. Um, I like Wendy's salads. And like, like means like I eat them. Like mm-hmm. none of them are like my favorite thing ever, but I eat them all. Their fries are, are fine. Um, I eat their chili. I eat their baked potatoes. Ooh, you know what I like? like? I go across the gamut of that menu. I might uh, go Culver's. Because mm. they have chicken. They have really good burgers. They do have good burgers. They get the dessert. They have the... the you get like the little Culver's version of a blizzard kind of thing. Yeah, but I think they might also have like mozzarella sticks on the menu, and I think they have like a couple different kinds of fries. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. And that Arby's wouldn't be bad either. Again, Arby's is good. Chicken, yeah, yeah. beef. Again, my brother in England is probably listening to this, probably wanting to throw something because I know he hates Arby's, and I'm going to get a text message in the next 24 hours about it. What's up, Tim's brother? He's just not an Arby's guy. He, Cheerio. He hates him. He hates it with a passion. Hi, Glenn. Also, Glenn. <laughs> um, <laughs> Chase Richardson, what role do you guys envision for Jeremy Ruckert his freshman year? If any, we know his speed's on a different level. Could we see some two tight end sets for the Buckeyes? We think Ruckert's going to play, don't we? Yep. I would be very surprised if he did it, only because he's so unique. Like, I don't think he'll be... Well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know what he's doing right now. He could be lifting weights like a maniac right now and be ready to come in and contribute in a blocking way next year. But um, he's he's already the best receiving tight end they have on the team, and that's from someone who thinks Rashad Berry has a lot of upside. Um, but, yeah, I think there's definitely an opening for Rucker to come in and at least pass Jake Hausman and, and Luke Farrell and be the number two tight end. Ohio State you rotated Berry, and even though Ball, Marcus Ball was a starter, so there will be a role for uh, Rucker, whether it be, you know, as the tight end, you know, lining normally, or if they flex him out into the slot in certain situations where they could take a matchup advantage. I think Kevin Wilson will want to be using Jeremy Rucker. Yeah, and again, we've we've gotten hyped up about some tight ends before, and it's taken a while, but yeah. it just there does seem to be something there, and that this guy is is a half step above what they usually get at that position. And they've had plenty of good tight ends. They have two tight ends that turned into third-round NFL draft picks. So, um Right. Also from Chase, what is your go-to mm. barbecue food? Ribs, chicken. Um, I'm a I, big fan of barbecue chicken. We had uh, barbecue in Boise actually. We were there for um, basketball. We like stumbled upon a barbecue place. I had burnt ends. Oh my god! Don't get Tim Bielek started yeah. on burnt ends. And it's beef, right? It's. I think it's either beef or pork. I'm not sure the process. I think it's like the charred remains that they don't want to serve. They like cut out the charred part. I could be getting this completely wrong. If there's a barbecue expert out here, please. There's t- one of my pockets called or... Google. You know what I'm worried that that burn ends are. What's that? The end, and they just put a better spin on it. No, oh. I'm not sure that's what, what it is. Off topic. I was showing Bill this. Darren Ravel just tweeted this. The Rangers are having ice cream in a roll gold pretzel waffle cone. I would destroy that. Yeah, pretzels and ice cream are good together. Yes, they are. Burnt ends are flavorful. 
pieces of meat cut from the, quote, point half of a smoked brisket. Brisket's beef, right? Yes. Were they the kind that, like, I don't know how, how different it is in Idaho how they do their barbecue. Is it the kind that like you don't even really need to choose almost like the melt in your mouth? Kind? Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. That but I, I also like. I I think it's something people don't tend to get a lot when they're out of barbecue places. I like barbecue turkey. Oh yeah, it's good. I like the pulled meats. Yeah. I don't know what it is. If you pull any meat, I'll eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like the pull uh, the pulled pork. I I often get, but I like the pulled chicken. Big fan of pulled chicken. Yeah. Pulled chicken. Vastly underrated. There is a barbecue place a mile from my house that apparently is really good. That it's like a, it's a, called Ray Ray's. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go there on my way home. Yeah. yeah. I actually might go with you. Um, <laughs> I haven't eaten lunch yet. Best barbecue side. Corn, mac and cheese, cornbread. Cornbread's good. Cornbread. Yeah, I like cornbread. The cornbread at this place in Boise had like... Um, like Sometimes you get cornbread that's actually pieces of corn in it. Yeah. I don't, I don't really like that. But this had like pieces of pepper. Ooh. Like green and red pepper it baked into it, but like not so much that it was overpowering, just enough that it was like a surprise. It was good. Nice. Yeah. Little pepper surprise. Never uh-huh. hit anybody. I, I will say cornbread I think is phenomenal. It needs to be served more. If a macaroni and cheese is good. I did go to Chili's there Sunday, I guess they've made the ribs there bigger. They now call them Texas size, so it's more meat on the bone. Nice. I don't do ribs. it's not worth a lot the of work. effort. A lot of yeah. work. Same reason I don't eat crab. Yeah. But too much work. work. I think if you get a good rib, though, that's the one where the meat falls off the bone, and you eventually might need a fork to eat that. And in the same way, that can be kind of like pulled pork. But I'm not a wolf. Yeah. I don't need the carcass. Right. Pull the meat away from the bone before you give it to me. I'm a human. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I have, um, just because mac and cheese was mentioned, I went to Hot Chicken Takeover. Yeah. Like, right before I left for Boise. Their mac and cheese is incredible. I forgot how good it was. Yes. Really? I, haven't had, I hadn't had it in a while. Yeah, it's really good. By the way, I looked at Bray Race Free. It's only open like Thursday to Sunday. What? I'm just telling you what, what a I, terrible business model. Unless they want to advertise with us, then we think it's a great business model. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Wow. I'm looking at the sides. I'm looking at it right here. You get you can get a half slab of ribs like 13 bucks. Thursday? I don't think that's. that's uh, pulled pork sandwiches, brisket sandwich, jerk chicken sandwich. I had I was already tasting the pulled pork, chopped yeah. pork, let that and out. good thing for you here, like nearby, scratch macaroni and cheese. Nice, that'll like you had me at scratch mac and cheese. I'll scratch your macaroni <laughs> and pull your meat. <laughs> to a move, going off the rails. T u u a m u five five. Second part of his question is also White Castle is woefully under discussed in your food talk. Yeah, because it's gross. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm <laughs> not going to apologize for that. It's I don't a, think it. It's not grossly under discussed. It's rightfully under discussed. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody here go to White Castle? No. no. My children eat the chicken rings sometimes. But chicken rings, you said. Yeah, but we also. I mean, there's like we live within driving distance of a Chick Fil A and a Cane, so I don't know why you would go to White Castle for chicken. But I don't like the steam burger. No offense. If you like it, that's fine. I have, yeah, I don't need White Castle in my life. Uh, this is a hard question. It's always like, do you hear... Th- the beginning of this question is, do you hear things off the record? It's like, well, it's off the record. We can't really talk about it. Yeah. Do you hear things off the record about the QBs? Is one of them more of a leader, more popular among teammates, harder worker? Can you quantify the buzz around these three guys? I don't know. I don't know no. that I can. No, I don't know. If, I mean, I think... You want to rank them by buzz, I would probably go Haskins, Martell, Burrow, but... That's like buzz with us, and I think with fans. Like I don't, you're not going to get a whole lot of insight. I think from teammates, <coughs> they're just going to say they're all good. 
I mean, I thought the way people talked about Tate flashing in practice at times, people thought people would bring up Tate, right? Wasn't was that during the season or during? Was that was he yeah. was playing Baker that you wrote about? He was playing that? Baker and he was playing Trace McSorley, and then he was playing. Uh, was it Ronald Jones, a running back from USC? People thought he was making like he was a playmaker, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, Jail- yeah. You get a guy like Jalen Holmes, and be start talking about him. Mm-hmm. And I respect anything Jalen Holmes. Does. Sure, sure. But they were also saying the same. Like Chris Worley two years ago at the Festival said that Dwayne Haskins makes throws that NFL quarterbacks can't make. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, people. There, there are people who have been in on Dwayne for a long yeah. time, and that arm for sure. Uh, man, Delillo, four questions. I don't know if we can get to all of them. Uh, some of them are robot related. He he sent a mess or some message about the person killed by the Uber car. Um, he asked if specifically if I Uber, would I ever ever allow myself or my family to ride in a driverless Uber? No way, no. not even close. And again, Bill Landis also holds himself to that standard. But yeah, and I'm not even I'm not even. Uh... Conspiracy theorists when it comes to the robots. Pro human. Would you drive in a robot car, Tim, or no? No. After hearing, you know, Professor Woods talk to you last a couple weeks ago, I think just the realities of the, the world of a robot car should not ready for it right now. Although to be fair, the robot car didn't kill the person in the car. That's true. I would not walk down the street where <laughs> robot cars were driving by. Um, also, would you eat a meal prepared by a robot? I, we have seen the robot the robot flipping burgers has been a thing this week. Um, a robot can flip a burger. I'm okay with that. I don't want a robot taking my order, though. Although, I, I guess wanna... there's touchscreen screens at Wendy's where you don't even have to talk to a human. Like, flipping a burger that this requires being flipped is fine. Yeah. But I don't want a robot uh, cooking something that requires, like, the human ability to taste things. Right. Yeah. I mean, a robot should be able to sense meat temperature, and yes. not just at a fast food place. Like you say, you want your burger medium, wet medium, or whatever. The signal goes on a robot, like, "Oh, you want this temperature?" And then he, he he's like, "All right, I need to flip this time. I can test the temperature by putting the robot spatula on the burger." Yeah, I would be okay with that. I would not want to go into an all robot restaurant. No. Can you imagine if you walked if you walked into a restaurant, they had a touch screen to order. And then, like, your food, like, appeared. Say it came out of, like, a tube or something, mm-hmm. right? And there was no humans in the restaurant. Would you eat there? No. I'd be freaked. I'm freaking myself out talking about yeah. it. Like a ghost town. I'd be like a Westworld restaurant. Because there's nanobots in that food, and then your body's full of robots. You're freaking me out. <laughs> Don't talk about it. DeLillo, if you could eat only one, this is kind of the same. Only one fast food joint and only one fast casual joint for the rest of your life. Walking the surf. What two places do you pick? Now, that's the same as Desert Island, but now you get a pairing. Yeah. One has to have a drive-thru, so that's your fast food designation. does have a drive-thru. So Chick-fil-A is a drive-thru, and yeah. then you get a fast casual. Uh, I would do like a fast casual pizza place, like a Mod Pizza or a pizza, pizza Cucinova. That's pretty good. I might Now I might pair up Chipotle and Chick-fil-A, though. Yeah, I think it's a good pairing. Yeah. I'd say Chick-fil-A and Pizza Fire, which is the local Cleveland area pizza pizza fast casual place. I know it's in Westerville, but the big reason I choose that, unlike Mod and Blaze Pizza, they have garlic dipping sauce on the side. Mm. And that is a that is a huge difference that I that would love like to email LeBron since he starts Blaze Pizza and be like, Hey, get it we the people demand dipping sauces for the crust. You should just have our Cavs beat writer Joe Barton ask him about it. Yeah, we have a we have a pipeline to LeBron. Yep. 
Yeah, Ford I mean, would ask that. I mean, yeah. The question it's is, if I ask girls. them how long before I go to Blaze Pizza, say, you know, tent like in Worthington, and then all of a sudden they have Blaze Pizza now with garlics, garlic dipping sauce. A week. Yeah. LeBron's a businessman. Yep. He knows what people want. Last question. And we're, I, I still think this is going to happen. We were going to have Kyle Snyder on. I couldn't do the podcast that day. We had to cancel. When I talked to the Ohio State people, they said, would you still want to have him on after he's done? And I said, of course. Yeah. So he is now a three-time national champion, just finished off his last NCAA title in Cleveland, and we still hope and anticipate, oh, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen, that we will have Kyle Snyder on this podcast to talk about snacks. To talk about snacks with a three-time national champion and gold medalist. DeLillo, where would Kyle Snyder rank as an all-time athlete at Ohio State? Does he make the Mount Rushmore of Buckeye athletes? I'd say Jesse Owens, Kyle Snyder, Jack Nicklaus, and Archie. Katie Smith and Logan Stiber are others that come to mind. Is it Stieber or Stiber? Stieber. Stieber. Logan Stieber. Um, I don't know that I would argue with that top four. I mean, I th- Nicholas is. I'm like Nicholas. Obviously, was a great athlete at Ohio State, and then like what he went on to do. Yeah. Um, the only two-time Heisman winner, Jesse Owens, obviously is there, and so I, I would have. I think in the past, Owens, Nicholas, and Archie Griffin were your top three for sure, and then you started getting into like maybe you go like like Jerry Lucas yeah. or somebody like that who went to three straight national title games in basketball, won a national championship as an all-time great. You could go Havlicek also off that team. Um, do you go to another football guy? I think Spielman is often in the conversation as like the number two football guy behind Archie. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about like Nick Swisher. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, <laughs> where, what other um, non – like outside of football, what other uh, – basketball, what other sp- – Smaller sport athletes, would you go to? I can't, I can't yeah, think one off the top of my head. But I think when you when you're talking about a three time NCAA champion with a gold medal, yeah, I think he belongs up there. I think that's I think that's your four. Yeah, when you list their individual accomplishments in their sports, I think it's what you're talking about with Kyle Snyder. I think he's caps off that four. I don't know, like at the risk of sounding completely ignorant, like I don't know what what was Jack Nicholas when he was at Ohio State. Like clearly, I know what he yeah, like you said, you know what he did afterwards. But I yeah. don't know. Was he like a multiple-time NCAA champion when he was at Ohio State? Pause it. No, I'm not kidding. Don't pause it. But yeah, I mean, and that's part of the thing too. Um, do you are you talking about what the person did like for Ohio State? You know what I mean, like NCAA I think, things, I think or that... while they were at Ohio State, which brings in the Olympics. Like I don't know. It, it's it, there's a lot of ways you can go with this. So. I guess he won the while attending Ohio State. He won the U.S. Amateur twice and an NCAA championship. Okay, so yeah, that's not. I wasn't like looking. I'm just trying. I was trying to find a way if they're like if Katie Smith was a more decorated athlete during her time at Ohio State. He also finished second in the U.S. Open while at Ohio while State. Ohio State. Okay. In 1960, two two strokes behind Arnold Palmer, um, lowest amateur finish at a U.S. Open by anybody ever. So. Um, well, then, yeah, I guess that's the four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's your four. Yeah, I don't know if you can do much better than that for a four. I mean, the thing is, like, that is a crazy four. Like, the threshold yeah. of that yeah. is, like, greatest golfer ever, greatest sprinter ever, only two-time Heisman winner, 
and now you're putting in a guy with three wrestling national NCAA titles and a gold and medal. A gold medal. That is a that is a that is an unbelievable four because you're talking about people who three of them who achieved like on the na- on the international stage, mm-hmm. and then the other one because football doesn't have an international stage, but he's done something that he's the only person in the history of college football to do. That's an unbelievable four for Ohio State. Yeah, right. And one of them will be on our podcast. Yes. We'll try to get Jack Nichols on the podcast, too. What the heck? Yeah. Um, all right. Any other final thoughts for this Buckeye Talk? Mm, have you been reading restaurant reviews for Ray Ray's Barbecue the whole um, time? No. Actually, I found another question from uh, Josh Curry at the real Curry 43 He says, guys, there's a question that needs to be answered. Needs in all caps. Who of you would win in a food-watching... I'm guessing food eating contest. He says food watching contest. I can watch food. Even <laughs> though he's a slender guy, I feel Doug could put away like 50 wings. Also, what food would you choose for said contest? Uh, wings, and I would dominate. Listen, I'm going to say it. You wussed out on the Nugget Challenge. Now you're going to throw down and tell me you're going to dominate in wings? Yeah. Yep. Well, now I guess what we're going to do. <laughs> it depends on the wing, though. Like, I'm well, not, I, it can't be like a rooster's wing. Because you love wings so much? Yeah. Because I don't love the wing as much as I love the boneless. Oh, yeah. I love the wing. I think, I think I've put down 50 in a sitting. 5-0 or 1-5? 5-0. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll take that challenge. Okay. I also I think I could do well in a pizza eating contest. I can eat a lot of pizza. My record for pizza is 13 slices in one sitting, but it was small bowling alley pizza. Oh, I was like okay. 12. I got really sick after I did it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, Tim, could you could you think you could hang with us at all? No. No, okay. Thank you for admitting yeah. that so quickly. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. You do CrossFit, yeah. so that's fine. Yeah. You would beat us at CrossFit, and we would beat you at eating. Um, since we're going to last questions, Eric Kaz is a good, loyal follower. Eric Kazimov. Food, shrimp and grits or chicken and waffles? You guys chicken eat, and waffles. You guys eat shrimp and grits at all? I've, uh, no, I've had, I don't like grits. I would say chicken and waffles. Actually, kind of a funny story about that. The day of the national championship game, I was actually in the office downtown. Guess what they were selling in the cafeteria that day? Chicken what? and waffles. Really? Perfect timing. It, it, it didn't lead to, to oh, I say win the national title, but I just thought it was fascinating that that question kind of comes up in a Buckeye Talk podcast. Chicken and waffles are good. Love chicken and waffles. Yes. Last question. This will send us off well. Eric Kazimov. Eric underscore Kaz asking again. Buckeyes will win the national championship this year. Yes or no? No hedging, Tim. <laughs> uh, yes. Did you say 18 and or 19? Or I think 18, he means 19. the 18-19 season. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're going to, too. <laughs> like, what kind of podcast are we? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, every year, baby, go Bucks. <laughs> I mean, like, just feel, it just feels right. Yeah, yeah. We got to see how the quarterback competition shakes out, but I think I think it, what is in our heads is Haskins taking the passing game to the next level, Dobbins and Weber being a really good running attack, the offensive line being fine, Young and Bosa on the defense causing trouble, and the like not being any glaring holes in the rest of the defense. And I think when you think about that pass rush, the run game. And the potential of this pass game, I think you see it all there. And I think our belief in our yes is based on that 
this style of passing game that I think we're all anticipating, we think is what the kind of offense could put them over the top. Yeah. That is what has been where they've been half a step short the past couple years. Yeah, and I think it's also possible, it's probably a step too far to say this now, but I think this might be the best coaching staff he's had. I'm very curious to see the Ryan Day version of this offense. Yeah. And as much as all the things that I've said about million-dollar coaches and how they're not worth it and stuff, like your defensive coordinator is a former NFL head coach. Like that's a real thing. Yeah. So um, Tabor Johnson, got to have a good year. Fill in for Kerry Combs. I think that's real. Unless he's not coaching the corners and Greg Schiano is. That's true. Um, so, yeah. So on that note, all three of us think the Buckeyes are going to win the national championship. You guys don't have to listen again until January. Are we held to that, by the way? Do I, can, we, can I reserve the right to change my Oh, mind? no, no. Okay. no. I mean, in the end, we make our predictions. But as we sit here right now before we, we've watched one hour of the first day of spring practice, yeah. we say yes. Yeah, okay. but, but we're allowed to gather information and have that information affect our prediction, for okay. sure. Um, Tim Bielek, follow him at Tim Bielek on Twitter. Bill Landis at BillLandis25. I'm at Doug Lamarice. Read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Drop the five-star reviews on Apple Tunes iPods, and uh, you might have us read it. You might have us read your review. And again, five-star. After you make it a five-star, you can say whatever the heck you want. Yep. But brutal honesty is appreciated. Can we name it after a player? What? The five star review, the segment in which we read a five star review. Oh yeah, who's the five star? Does that have to be on the roster right now, or it could be? No, any- it could be anyone. What about the like the Nick Bosa five star? How about Bosa's brutally honest? What if we put it out to the to the listeners? We'll we'll come up with nominees, and then we'll do a Twitter poll on who should we name the five star review segment after. Okay, which Ohio State five star? I, I have a vote. My inclination is like to like. I was going to say like the Curtis Grant five-star review or something. Oh, mine's Von Bell. Oh, I might be <laughs> in on that. Can we get, like, if we had an actual producer, I always like at the end of podcasts I listen to, by the way, when they say, thanks to our researcher, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> thanks to our intern, who's a different person, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> thanks to our producers, plural, this person and that person. And I'm like, we would just be saying our own names again and again and again. Because if we, if we could make it, Welcome to the Von Bell five-star review. And then we could have a clip of Von Bell saying, like, I just make plays. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would yeah. be... Wait, is it the Von Bell five-star review or the Von Bell Academy's five-star review of the week? Ooh. Brought to you by the Von Bell Academy. If we get the Von I Bell think, Academy... I think we are... I think we could figure that out. We just got to find a video of Von Bell saying make plays, which will take, oh, three seconds. I know, but then we have to... <laughs> are we just going to hold up the clip when we say it live in the podcast so we don't have to edit it every time? Yeah, we can do that. We can figure it out. We can make it like our ringtone. I would make that my ringtone. <laughs> bring, bring. I just make plays. Bring. I would definitely listen to that. God, I miss that guy. <laughs> we knew we were going to miss him, though. Yeah. We yeah. Did we love talking to Von Bell? Do we love talking yeah, to Von best. Bell? Von Bell and Ty... I, I'm usually not in favor of the paired together interview. Yeah. Von Bell and Tyvis Powell was entertaining paired interviews. Tremendous. Yeah. Tremendous. Although I do have, if you guys watch my Austin Mac video that's with my Austin Mac story... I'm interviewing Austin Mack, and like Johnny Dixon comes right over at the end of the interview, and I said something about, yeah, can't guard Mack. And Johnny Dixon says, what? I can guard him. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like 
hilarious because Johnny Dixon is a hilarious person. And also in my Demario McCall video, the thumbnail is sort of Johnny Dixon video bombing. Like, like Demario's talking, you see Johnny's almost like staring directly at you. Johnny Dixon is everywhere. Yeah. Johnny yeah. Dixon, I. Johnny Dixon, I bet you, is a... And I did a story last year about how Paris Campbell and Johnny Dixon are, like, such good friends. They're like brothers. I bet you Johnny Dixon is a great friend. Yeah. He, I bet you he is, like, a great guy to hang around with and just, like, have a good time. Okay. But also be, like, a loyal friend. Be there when you, when you need him. Yeah. That's, how, that's what kind of guy Johnny Dixon is. Yeah. Give you a little tr- trash talk, but, like, when you really need him, he's there for you. Yeah. Johnny Dixon. Thanks to you guys for listening. He's Bill. He's Tim. I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk.